All right, good morning. It's good to see you. My name is Andrew, and uh, we're in a new series uh, this morning called Words of Life. And I'm going I'm to start a phrase out for you. If you know how this ends, I want you to say it out loud with me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Okay, you've heard this before. It's a dumb phrase, isn't it? It makes no sense whatsoever. I saw a meme, or I found one that uh, I think is funny. Okay, it says this. Uh, a person who says that sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me, has never been hit with a large dictionary. All right? Okay, anybody have a large dictionary at home still? Okay, uh, I use dictionary.com, but uh, we do have a large dictionary and thesaurus in my home that my wife won from winning a spelling bee when she was younger, so reminds me of that. Uh, just a ridiculous statement because words are so powerful. Don't you agree? Words are so powerful. They're, I would say they're more powerful than any weapon we could ever wield. Words have the power to build up and they have the power to tear down. They have the power to give life to our souls, but words also have the ability to cause deep wounds within us. You know, there's no doubt that if you were to think back on the course of your life, you could recall specific words that were spoken to you, some words that breathed life into you and encouraged you and helped you in your life, and then, unfortunately, probably words that you heard that were wounding to your spirit and your soul. But on the flip side of that, no doubt that you have actually been the one who's spoken those kind of words as well, right? You have probably spoken words that helped and blessed other people. And there's probably words that you have spoken that have hurt others and maybe even have stuck with them or hurt them deeply. You know, I think all of us could agree. Uh, I don't know what your, your uh, religious persuasion, if that's a phrase that I could use, what, where you're at on, on God and the Bible and scripture, but you know, I think we could all agree on this, that we all live, we live in a culture of noise, don't we? It's just full of, of distraction and full of loud voices and opinions and maybe even a little bit of controversy, you think, maybe? Man, this is the kind of world we live in. It's a culture of, of noise, and it's easy for us to get stuck into or get sucked into this trap of thinking that we always have to be heard that our voice always needs to be heard and that we have to be right. I'm reminded of this because yesterday I'm scrolling through social media and I've tried to back way off of that. Um, but yesterday I was scrolling and I came across this post that like I had a strong opinion about. Y'all ever come across a post that you have a very strong opinion for or against? Anybody else with me? Okay, I came across this post and like, I was ready to rip my hair out. I was so mad. I was like, I do not agree with this. This is garbage, take it down. And the thing that made me more mad about this post was not that this young lady, Christian young lady posted this um, that I thought should maybe know better. It was that somebody else I know, another friend of mine that is older and more mature was like, hey, I agree with you on this. And I was like, ah, gotta, like, I, gotta, I gotta tell them what I think. I gotta help them see the light. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever felt this? temptation ever, ever. I got to be heard. I got to stick in my two cents here. We all have that temptation and this trap that, you know, we have to be heard. And even when, even when our intention is good and pure. Okay. So I would say that my intentions were good. It wasn't like I got to prove this person wrong and that I'm right. 
It was a matter of, of like a biblical worldview, and I just wanted to insert, I wanted to help these people to see what the scriptures talk about. But even when our intentions are good and pure, and even when our intentions are to make a difference, I think what often happens for us is we end up being more commentator than influencer. Let me say that again. We often end up being commentators rather than influencers. And what I mean by that is we make a lot of comments, but we, we don't always make a lot of difference in people's lives. We, and it reminds me of, I'm a sports guy, I love, I love sports, and I love, uh, you know, I could watch ESPN, NFL Network all day long, but it reminds me of sports commentators and like what we would call Monday morning quarterbacks. You ever heard the phrase? All right, so it, it just makes me laugh because you have this, you know, former bench player who is now making his money by criticizing the play of LeBron James. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not a LeBron fanboy. Um, I like to see when he gets bounced out of the playoffs. But it's like one of these things where you're commenting on this. And this guy, like, were you even, do you even play basketball? And then you've got, like, former, like, bench quarterbacks, guys who barely held on in the league. And now they're criticizing Tom Brady, like the GOAT. I'm like, you're getting paid to do this? You barely made it in the NFL. You barely played 100 snaps. And so it's like, but that's the nature of, of commentating. Let me share my opinion. Let me share what I think. I'm going to comment on everything, and, let, and, and maybe I'll stir things up, make it more controversial, because that means better ratings and more money for our network and all that stuff. But that's the nature of, of commentating. But here's the problem, is I think that we often, even with good intentions, we end up being more like that. We're commenting on the state of things, or we're sharing our opinions, or um, we're you know, spreading our thoughts and our ideas rather than actually influencing people, which is what we've been called to do. But my guess is that you're, you're like me. You don't want to just be a, another loud voice or have a strong opinion. You actually want to influence. You want to actually be an influencer for good or for God and not just be someone who, who talks. And so that's what this series is about. We're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks. It's called Words of Life using words to build up and give grace. And I think especially in our day and our age and in our culture in which we live, where words are so often just thrown around. Uh, words are powerful, and yet we're all guilty. We are all, every single last one of us are guilty of being careless and reckless in the words that we use. Just think about the sheer volume of words that you use in the course of a day or a week, or a year of your life, and most of those words, man, we just toss them around. But I hope you're with me in this, that, that you want to use your words, I want to use my words, to honor the one that the Bible calls the Word, Jesus Christ. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at a passage this morning, a couple verses in James chapter 1, so I'm going to invite you to, to turn there or pull up your phone. James chapter 1, we're going to look at a couple verses that are very simple and yet in no way easy to live out. In James chapter 1, and as you're, as you're going there, you know, we, we might assume, I think we often assume that to have more influence or to have more impact, we have to speak more. We have to speak more 
more often, we have to speak more clearly, we have to speak more kindly, and those are all good things, they're not bad things, and we are, as the people of God, called to proclaim a message. But you know what, here, here is, here's what I would say this morning, is it's not about speaking more. I would argue that it's about listening more. Uh, I, I think one of the most helpful things that we could do for others is to be a good listener, to listen well. And it's not about losing your voice, and it's not about suppressing your voice. In fact, I think it's the opposite. It's about having a louder voice by listening more. I think we have a louder voice into others' lives when we listen more and when we listen better. Now, this goes for Social media, this goes for in your home, and your workplace, every relationship in every single area of your life. And so I want to read some wisdom from James, James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. And James here says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. James says, I want you to know something. Every person, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. Would you say that with me? Quick to hear, slow to speak. One more time. Quick to hear, slow to speak. We're going to talk about this this morning because what James is describing for us is a person who is all ears. All right, have you ever used the phrase, have you ever said, I'm all ears? What are you saying when you say I'm all ears to somebody? I'm listening, right? I'm, my, my, you have my full attention. I'm dialed in. I'm listening to you. And this is what James is talking about here, is being quick to hear, slow to speak. Quick to hear, slow to speak. And I would say generally my default, maybe you would agree with me, I would say probably in general as Americans, our default isn't I'm all ears, it's I'm all what? I'm all mouth. I am all talk. If I don't like something that you said, if I don't agree with it, I'm going to let you know, right? I will let you know what I think and how I feel. I will let you know my opinion. And yet what James is calling us to is to be not quick to speak, which again is our default, quick to hear, slow to speak. So all ears, before we can ever speak words of life, and we'll talk more about this next week, but before we ever get there, before we can speak life-giving words, words that build people up, words that give grace to others, we've got to first assume the posture of a listener. We've got to assume the posture of a listener because, you know, as, as people of God, what we see in the scriptures is that we are called to be a people who listen well. We listen to the voice of God. We follow the word of God and we listen well to others. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take us on a little journey through the scriptures I mean, from cover to cover, you see this topic brought up over and over again about how we use our words, how we use our mouths, how we listen and speak to others. In fact, I want to start right here in James chapter 1. If you drop down to verse number 26, 
He says this, if anyone thinks he is religious, if anybody thinks he has a relationship with God and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is what? It's worthless. He says, if you say you're religious, if you say you have a relationship with God or no God, and yet you can't control your mouth, he says, whatever religion you're following, it's, it's, it's bogus. It's lame. It's, it's worthless. If you claim to follow a God who is all powerful and yet he can't even help you control your mouth, whatever you're doing, it's worthless, he says. James, man, he puts it right out there. If we go to the book of Proverbs, and again, we could spend all day in the book of Proverbs, what it says about our tongue and about our mouths, but we're going to just take a look at a number of verses here, and I just want you to kind of soak this in. What is God saying to me about how I use my, my lips and my words and my mouth? And what you'll see in most of these scriptures is kind of a compare and contrast. The one who uses his words wisely, the one who guards his mouth, versus the one who, who doesn't restrain his words. Proverbs 10, verse number 19. We'll start there. It says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Have you ever been around somebody who's like, man, you better stop talking. You're just digging yourself a bigger hole. Stop doing it. Because where words are many, uh, transgression is not lacking. The more you talk, the more opportunity there is for you to sin. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Be slow to speak. Proverbs 13, verse 3. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Guard your mouth. And that was my thing on social media. Half the time when I'm I like, I got to guard my mouth because if I just open wide my lips, it's going to lead not to life. It's going to lead to a bunch of junk and garbage and ruin, the writer says here. Proverbs 15, verses 1 and 2. I think this is, man, I need to hear this so often. Uh, Proverbs 15, a soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. So the tongue of the wise versus the, mouth, uh, the mouths of fools. Proverbs 17, verse 27. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. If you're slow to speak, if you're quick to hear, he says, man, if you do that, you have knowledge, you have understanding, you have wisdom, you have a cool spirit where you can control your words. Proverbs 18, verse 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat it's fruit. He says, words are powerful. Death and life are found there. Proverbs 21, verse 23. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Man, anybody else feel like a chump? Like, you, like your words, man, the words that we speak are so powerful and so convicting. Are you wise? Do you restrain your lips are your words many or are they few? Ecclesiastes 5, last, last verse here. Verse number 2. 
Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be what? Few. Let your words be few. Be quick to hear, slow to speak. Quick to hear, slow to speak. How many of you all are familiar with 7-Eleven? Anybody been to a 7-Eleven in your life before? Okay, some of you have never had the privilege of going to a 7-Eleven. It's a convenience store. Um, sometimes there's a gas station attached to it, but not always. Uh, if you know what 7-Elevens uh, are all about, what are they most known for? Does anybody know? They produce something. Slurpees. All right, I heard it. So this is a Slurpee in case you've never seen one or had one. It's essentially frozen drinkable sugar. All right, that's what it is. Good stuff. Um, let me give you a free tip on 7-Eleven. July 11th, they give out a free Slurpee. It's 7-Eleven National Free Slurpee Day, all right? I think it's just like a little Pee-wee 12-ounce Slurpee, but it's free. So th there's that. But I remember a few years ago, okay, 2015, it was April of 2015. This was, this was a very, man, large impact in my life. That's why I remember the exact date. April of 2015, 7-Eleven had what they called BYOC Day, all right? Bring your own cup or container. All right, so for $1.49, you could bring in a container. It, they had like a cardboard cutout, a hole that was like 10 inches in diameter. And so as long as it fit through that 10 inch hole, you could use that and fill that up for $1.49, okay? If this was 2021, people would be bringing trash bags <laughs> to get Slurpees. Who, get, who takes a trash bag to a gas station? I just, okay. Anyways, so we were like, okay, let's, we got to do this. We got we to gotta go get our, our Slurpee for a buck 49. So what kind of container can we bring? We want to get the most for our buck 49. And so it was April. It was a few weeks following Easter. And so we're like, okay, what do we have around the house that we can use? Well, what do you use for Easter that you might have laying around the house in April? An Easter basket. And so we took that old Easter basket to 7-Eleven and filled that bad boy up. And I want to show you a nice picture of this that we documented. <laughs> this was our $1.49 well spent, right? This was the community family Slurpee that we filled up. Incredible, right? Uh, I don't think they've done a BYOC day since then, but I keep waiting for it. It's amazing. Um, so what's the point of all this, you say? Why am I talking about 7-Eleven and Slurpees? So I have a word picture. I'm going to try to connect this for you right now, okay? I'm trying to make sense of it. When it comes to using our words, when it comes to speaking life to people and building people up and giving grace, we've got to begin by being the cup, not the dispenser. All right, y'all ever tried to use one of these dispensers and it comes out fast and furious? Here's what I'm trying to say, is that we tend to function as dispensers. Like we just tend, like here's a picture of a dispenser in case you don't know what it looks like. I think we have it right there, all right? These things come out again fast and furious and this is how we tend to use our words in life. Is we just like, we just gotta word vomit, is that the word, right? We just gotta spill it out, we gotta dispense our thoughts and our opinions and we have to impart our wisdom into the world, and we, we have to let people know what we think and where we stand on things, and this is how we tend to 
operate and function, thinking that our greatest impact is when we speak more. And that's not what James says. He says, be quick to hear, slow to speak. So the idea of being a cup is we're to be on the receiving end, right? We're here to receive and to absorb and to listen. This is the posture that we're called to take, is to be quick to hear, slow to speak. We begin by being the cup, not the dispenser. We listen and receive first, because if we're ever gonna communicate well, there's more than just talking involved in communication. If we're gonna communicate well, we've gotta listen well first. And so James calls us to be a listening first kind of people. Begin by being the cup, not the dispenser. Quick to hear, slow to speak. So this is the idea this morning. If we're ever going to get there, we need to learn to listen well, to be a cup rather than just a dispenser. So the question is, well, how do we do that? How can I be the cup? All right, so let me give you a few big ideas here and how we are to do this. First, we got to be filled by Christ first and foremost. We got to be filled by Christ first. In other words, we need to listen and hear his voice. We need to listen and follow his words and be filled by him. If we go back to Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 to 22, uh, the, the, the writer here is speaking as a father to his son, and we, and we see this throughout the Proverbs, and it, it's, it's as if God the Father is speaking to us as his sons and daughters. The writer says this, Proverbs 4, verse 20, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. What, what is life? What's he say? Did you see what he said? My words. Be attentive. Pay attention to my words. Listen to my words. We got to be filled with Christ's word first. He says, because if you find his words, if you incline your ears and pay attention to my words, man, there'll be life to your soul. In fact, Jesus said as much in John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Jesus says, my words are, are spiritual. They're from the spirit and they're full of life. And a few verses later in his conversation with his disciples, he says, hey, are you all going to desert me as well? Are you all going to abandon me like, the, like all the rest? And Simon Peter responds in, in verse 68. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter says, Jesus, where else am I going to go? You've said it yourself. You are the one that have, has the words of life. The words that you speak are more important than any other words in the world. And then in John chapter 10, Jesus speaking of himself as, as the good shepherd, and he says in verse 3, to him, to the shepherd, the gatekeeper opens. We are his sheep. He says, the sheep hear his voice, 
and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his what? They know his voice. The sheep follow the voice of the shepherd. And the idea here is that Jesus is the good shepherd. He is our leader and we follow his voice. We've got to be filled with Christ first because we need the wisdom and the grace and the power and the love that we don't have on our own. We need this outside source, this other voice speaking into our lives. We need Jesus. And so we've got to be filled by Christ first so that we can absorb and take in and receive all the other stuff that we get and we hear from others. And so be filled by Christ first and foremost. Next thing is this, realize others' cups are usually full. Realize that others' cups are usually full. And what I'm talking about is, is think about your own life. Sometimes your cup, your life is full of love and joy and peace and good things and good vibes, right? That's full. But often your cup is full of not all of that good stuff. It's full of hurt and pain and confusion and frustration and disappointment and anger, maybe bitterness. Realize that every single person, and this includes you, maybe the reason you're here this morning is because your cup is full and you don't know what to do with all the stuff raging inside of you. Realize every single person, their cup is usually full, sometimes with good stuff, often with junk. And so the next thing is this. Okay, realize that most everyone's cup is full and we're to be available for them to empty into. Be available for them to empty into. What I mean by it is, is this, that the full cups need to be emptied. Full cups need to be empty. Maybe your cup is full of, of life and grace. Like, y'all need somebody to share that with, right? To celebrate with, to rejoice with you. You need, you need to let that out. But maybe if your life is full of grief and, and other stuff, man, you, your cup needs to be emptied. Because what happens is if we hold on to that stuff, we suppress it, we push it deep, we like shove it down further. It's kind of like when we would get the Slurpee. We'd take this cup, here's a trick for you, and you like, you take it and you like keep hitting it down. You fill it some and you hit it down. So all of the Slurpee, like, you know, you make more room because you want more sugar, right? And so you kind of like try to stuff in more. And sometimes what we do is like we suppress all of the junk in our life and we push it down and we don't ever empty ourselves of it. We don't ever release it. We don't release it to God. We don't release it to someone else who could help us to be emptied so that we could be filled with Christ. And so we need to be those people who, those, these, these cups that others can empty themselves into, they can unload all of their stuff and we can absorb it. We can receive it. And, and I don't, I'm not talking about passive listening, like just sitting there and just, I'm talking about active listening, which, which means we, we're not listening to respond. How many of y'all do that? We do it all the time, right? No, we, we're engaged, we're listening, we're asking questions, we care. We're an empty cup 
that's willing and available for others to empty into. But that requires that we have emptied ourselves of us. We are filled with Christ, and now we can receive what others pour out. It's kind of like what Paul says in Romans 12, verse 15, that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. Because full cups need to be emptied. If it's rejoicing, man, we want to rejoice with you and empty your cup, share that. But man, if you're going through it, we want to weep with those who weep. We want to help you empty your cup. And so be available to be emptied into. So be filled by Christ first. Realize others' cups are usually full. Be available for them to empty into. And then this fourth thing that we've, we've said over and over, be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. This does not necessarily mean that we must speak slowly. Okay, that's, that's, that, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about listening first, being thoughtful and careful when we speak, that we listen, that we are quick to hear. And as God gives us opportunity in the course of a conversation, as God gives us opportunity, man, we share maybe a word of wisdom. Maybe we share a word of, of hope or of grace or of life with someone else. We dispense our words thoughtfully and carefully. We're slow to speak. Or we don't have to speak at all. Can I give you permission? Because sometimes when people share stuff with us that's heavy or we don't know what to do with it, um, which, by the way, I'm there often, I feel like. I don't, even though I spend my life talking, I don't always know what to say to people. I don't always feel like I have the right thing to say in the moment. And I want to give you permission to feel like you don't have to always speak. You don't have to fill silence with noise. In fact, it's better if you don't. I know if you're in a conversation and things get quiet, there's, there's a need to fill the silence, right? Like if I just stood here for a minute and didn't talk, it would drive you all nuts, wouldn't it? <laughs> Somebody say something, please. And we get that way in a conversation. Listen, sometimes the best thing you can do is be slow to speak. You don't have to say something. If it's not good or if it's not godly, keep it shut, right? Just be slow to speak. If God gives you opportunity, man, speak. But you don't have to fill the noise. You don't have to dispense. Did any of y'all, maybe you used like a dispenser, maybe with a Slurpee, maybe with like a soft serve ice cream. Have you ever done this? When I try to dispense like ice cream in a cone, it it doesn't always look like right. It kind of looks like this. This is kind of, you know, because those dispensers, I never know how fast it's going to come out. I don't know how to do this whole thing. Like I make a mess. Or, you know, maybe you do a Slurpee and there's Slurpee overflow, right? Because it comes out fast and furious and it, half of it ends up like this. You're trying to shake it all down and get as much as you can. You end up with the mess because that dispenser, man, it comes out fast and furious. Sometimes in conversations, this is us. Like, I'm waiting for you to take a breath so I can tell you what I think, or let me tell you how to fix it. Listen, the goal isn't always to fix it. 
And all the wives are like, amen. <laughs> right? The goal isn't always to fix it. It's to listen and receive and to absorb. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to dispense, if you will. And so if you are in a situation where you don't know exactly what to say, um, that's okay. I'm there often. The key is, is to bring the presence of Christ into that moment by being fully present yourself. That is the most important thing, is that you bring the presence of Christ into that moment by being fully present yourself. That means you're engaged. That means hint, phone down, head up, eyes locked in, heart engaged, ears open. Man, you are engaged. You are fully present. If you want to bring the presence of Jesus, man, if we want to do that, we got to be fully present and engaged and listening in those moments. And here's the cool thing about this is that when, when you and I listen well, our words are received well. Our words are more, they carry more weight if we listen first and if we listen well to others, then we have the opportunity to speak words of life, words that are life-giving. And we'll talk about that more next week. But before we can ever get there, we have to talk about this idea of listening well. And so why do we do all this? Why do we, why do we have to be quick to listen and, or quick to hear, slow to speak? Why do we begin by being the cup and not the dispenser? Why is listening well so important? A few reasons. I think one, we do it because one, we want to be obedient, right? We want to obey what God has said, what James says in James chapter one. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know that when you obey what God has said, man, it goes well. It goes well in your life. Good things happen when we obey what God says to us. So we want to do this because we want to be obedient. But another reason why we do this, I think you're with me on this, is we want, to, we want to bless people, right? We want to minister to people. We want to serve people well. And so as we do this, this gives us the opportunity to bless people. But I would say there's a kind of a third reason why we, we do all this. It's not just to be obedient. It's not just to bless others. We do this because ultimately we have a God who has done all of this and continues to do all of this for us. We have a God who hears us, who hears us and he cares about our heart. Do you realize that the God of the universe, literally, when you, when you come to him with something, he's literally got a million other things he could be doing, right? He's got the world to oversee but he hears every single word. He is fully present and engaged every moment that you come to him and with every word that you speak and with every every feeling and emotion and everything that you have within you, he hears us and he cares about our hearts. We have a God who has emptied himself for our sakes. He has allowed himself to be broken and spilled out. He has emptied himself 
for us. We have a God who has made himself fully available to us. He is fully available to us. We have a God who has absorbed all of our sin and all of our shame through his death on the cross. And we have a God who has freely and continues to freely dispense his goodness and his grace and his love to us. Amen. This is good. Amen. This is the God that we have. And so ultimately, when we are quick to hear and slow to speak, we are being like our Father in heaven. We are being like the God that we love and we serve, who hears us, who has emptied himself, has made himself available, who absorbs all of our sin and shame. And man, he dispenses freely his goodness and his grace and his love to us. And so as we, as we do this with others, we're being a reflection of our good God. And so what we're going to do over these next few minutes is we're going to move into a time of celebrating the Lord's Supper together. And, and these things that we've just talked about, these are things that I want us to, to kind of reflect on and remember and celebrate that this is, this is the, the God that we, we serve. 